Ready or not, here I come. Good morning, everyone. Pastor Tim. And that's a cry that we've heard in our life, isn't it? From the playgrounds in our community. Ready or not. And we're in this sermon series right now that we're calling Living Ready, where you and I, as disciples of Christ, need to be ready at all times to meet the Lord. And I wonder today how it is with your soul, how it is with your life, you know, we never know what we're going to face in life. And like last year, it was like a page out of a horror film. There was great trepidation. There was mystery and suspense. It was a thriller. And then came these draconian-style lockdowns. And we were like thrown on an island, isolated from one another. And faced so many other painful things. And really out of our comfort zone, out of normal living and it was a reminder that you never know what in the world is going to come into your life and so you need to be ready you need to be ready as a disciple of Jesus Christ for one of these days the Lord is going to come back but even as we live life today we know that we're going to face all kinds of challenges there are going to be all kinds of situations that we are confronted as disciples and you know, Jesus was very honest about that. That's one thing we can say about the Lord, is Jesus was a realist. And he told us uh, particularly one thing that was not going to be so mysterious, and that is, he said, if you follow me, if you say and live as a disciple of mine, you're going to face persecution. And in fact, that's what we find in this text that uh, Julie has shared with us today here in the Gospel of Matthew as we turn our attention here to this portion of the Sermon on the Mount. And we find here Jesus saying these words, Happy are those who are persecuted because they do what God requires. The kingdom of heaven belongs to them. Now this statement evidently was so shocking and such a surprise to the audience that Jesus uh, evidently maybe paused and repeated it again. For he repeats it a second time in the next verse. Happy are you when people insult you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Jesus here gave more space to this beatitude than any of the others. And in fact here, he personalized it. This is the only beatitude where he uses this word you. And all the other beatitudes deal with the character here of a Christian. But in this one here, he sums it up and he deals also with the character of the world and how it treats Christian people who are living out the life of the first seven characteristics. And he says, happy and healthy are those who can stand any kind of rejection. Happy and healthy, blessed are those who can stand firm in the faith. A few years ago, I heard the story of, of that uh, famous 20th century pre preacher, G. Campbell Morgan. And he was a young man, and he was in seminary, and he fell in love with this certain young girl. And uh, they dated for some time. And in fact, it became to the point where she was expecting him to propose. And he said to her one evening, he said, You know, I think God has laid it upon my heart to say some pretty radical things to the church 
in particular and to the world. And so I'm really reluctant to, to propose and get married right now. He said, I may not be successful. I might be severely persecuted. I don't want to drag you into that, he said. And so maybe five or six years from now, when things kind of settle down and when things get established, then maybe I can give you my hand in marriage. And she quickly came back and said, if I can't climb the mountain with you, I'd be ashamed to meet you at the top. Maybe we ought to adapt her phrase today and say, if we don't climb the mountain together, if we don't continue to persevere in our walk with Christ daily in whatever comes in our life, if we don't endure to the end, then we are not for sure going to meet at the top. This morning, I want us to consider a response to harassment, a response to those who really threaten us with insult and criticism. And you know, in our day, the Christian disciple is especially under assault. And notice here, Jesus speaks firmly about the reality of it. It's going to happen. He doesn't say if one of these days somebody happens to say an ill word about you. He doesn't say if one of these days you might be in a circumstance where you're persecuted. But he says when. You can circle the word when here. Don't be caught off guard because you will be persecuted those who follow after me. Now today's a big game we know, the Super Bowl. And, and you know, of all the players, the other players are going to be far outnumbered on the field by those two quarterbacks, the four backup quarterbacks on each side of the field, and the thousands that are going to be in the stands. Believe you me, there's going to be a lot of scrutiny here in just a little while. There's going to be some criticism. Maybe even the boo birds, as you know, can come out. E. Stanley Jones, who was a great missionary, a great Christian, and he said these harassers, he said, that I have in my life are the unpaid guardians of my soul. Maybe you have some people like that around you in your world, maybe in your neighborhood, maybe at work or in the community. But if you're going to follow Jesus, you're going to face many different types of persecution. You can rest assured of that. And as the world gets more and more secular, it's getting more hostile to Christians. And Jesus doesn't say here, if you're harassed, but he says, when you're harassed. And really, frankly, folks, that's the reality. And that's why we're in this series right now called here, Living Ready. For you need to be ready for whatever comes into your life. Now, the second part here of verse 11 tells us why that we need to be ready. And it's because you are my followers. Notice here he's not talking about sexual harassment or racial discrimination, but he says because you follow me, because you are trying to lead a life, living out these beatitudes, these characteristics that are befitting of a disciple. And Jesus says there are reasons for harassment, and it's being my disciple. It's following after me. Evil people, after all, don't like Christ, and they don't like to attack Christ directly, and so they attack his followers. I mean, the media is merciless today when it comes to people who adhere to the Christian faith, putting them down, being critical, and they crucify Jesus for that. And believe you me, if God had decided in his infinite wisdom and omnipotence, if he decided in his omniscience that really inserting his son Jesus Christ into the world in this era was the best way to maximize those who would come to faith. I dare say they would crucify him today. 
people become uncomfortable, do they not, around goodness. They don't like Jesus. They didn't uh, like him then because the more light that is in your life, the more it reveals the darkness in the lives of other people, and people don't like that. It's a law of life. The more positive you are, the more the negative people are going to hate you. And Paul, in, in the scripture, acknowledged this in the pastoral epistles there in, in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 12. He acknowledged everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ will be persecuted. And again, he there also verifies and says that he might not be, he says he will be persecuted. And so if you don't believe me about that, and you don't think there's any kind of persecution today. You know, if you're a student and you go to any high school here in America, if you go to any college campus today and you say, I'm a Christian and I'm committed to being a virgin until I get married, just see what happens. Or if you are a person who works and you work on Sunday and you give your life to the Lord and you go to your boss and you know they tell us today that maybe 30% of America works on Sunday and you go to your boss and you say, I can't work on Sunday any longer because I, I want to go to church on Sunday and worship. See where that gets you. Or if you're a business person today and you're asked by your boss to do something that's unethical or illegal and you say, I can't do that because I, 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 I can't cheat. I can't do that because it's, it's not befitting of a Christian person. See where that leads. The world can't stand anybody that marches to that drumbeat. And Jesus didn't fit the mold. In fact, he wouldn't do what the Pharisees wanted him to do. He wouldn't fold or mold. He wouldn't conform. He wouldn't compromise. And they either had to follow him and give in or they had to kill him. And of course, you know what they did. They killed him. Now you say, I don't need this message today because no one out there is harassing me for my faith. Well, I want to say about that, that tells me that you're no different than anybody else in the world. Because he says, all who live godly will be persecuted. All who faithfully follow me are going to be harassed. And if you're not being harassed, it means maybe there's no different in you and the people of the world. So I want to give you some observations here today about those who are harassed. If you are here today and you are struggling, there are people surrounding you that are giving you insults, that are speaking harm and ill towards you. I want to give you some observations from this text that just quickly I think we can make application and apply to our lives here in this day. The first thing I want to say to you is that we need to recognize the source. Anytime you face criticism, you face some type of form or or uh, insult uh, to your faith. I want to remind you that, that God is the enemy of evil and you need to consider the source. The Bible says that very clearly that we're not fighting against human beings but we're fighting against powers and principalities. We're fighting against the, the spiritual forces of, of wickedness. Now if you're a parent I can certainly hurt you but a way that more people like to get back at somebody is to hurt their kids. It's, it's part of the plot in so many movies, is it not? That if you want to get something from somebody, they'll go and harm the kids. And the devil cannot get at God, so he does the next best thing. He hurts the kids. He goes after God's children. And the Bible says that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. And the person at work who's harassing you is not really the problem. 
And so we need to be mindful of the bigger picture here as we think about persecution. Not only should we recognize the source, but a second thing that we ought to observe is that we need to refuse to retaliate. Now here again, Paul speaks so wonderfully about this in the application portion of the book of, of, of Romans. And he says, if someone does evil to you, don't pay him back with evil. Never take revenge, but let God's wrath do it. You need to remember who the enemy is. The person attacking you, in a sense, is really a pawn. And they don't understand that. They're just being used by evil. You know, Jesus here in verse 11 of the text here in Matthew 5, he lists three different kinds of verbal harassment that we're likely to encounter. And first, he says, there are insults. When people try to really discredit you or say derogatory things about you. And then he says there's persecution. That's any kind of mistreatment. And then he says, people tell lies. Lies. People are deceitful and will make up stories about you. You know, the world loves to find fault with Christian people. And if they can't find fault, they make stories up. Somebody, I think it was Churchill, that said that a, a lie gets halfway around the world before uh, the truth has a chance to put its pants on. And isn't that true today? I mean, if a pastor stole some money, it would be in the news before morning. But if the bartender or somebody else down the street does something like that, you never hear of it. And if they can't find fault, they will just make something up. They will insult and they will be conniving and they will mistreat you and they will make up lies about you. And they even did this about Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 11. You remember at one point they accused Jesus of, of being a drunkard, of being a glutton. They said he's a wine-bibber. In other words, he's a party animal. But Jesus never reviled back. He refused to retaliate. And that's an example that I think that we ought to emulate, we ought to follow. Not only recognize the source and refuse to retaliate, but a third thing I indicate to you is that we need to respond with goodness. We need to respond with that uh, air of positivity. Don't be overcome by evil, Paul says, but overcome evil with good. You never get ahead, do you, in life by simply trying to get even? If you're always trying to get even and you're trying to, to get ahead, I mean, it, it, you just never can do it that way. You never can be successful. You probably remember when you were a child and you were on the playground. You probably observed other children maybe trying to tease another child or maybe you tried to tease your brother or your sister or your siblings at home and you learned that once they started to react to you, then you were in control. And that's a true with any situation. Once you start reacting, who's in control? The person who is taking the initiative. Jesus here goes on in the Sermon on the Mount to teach us the law of retaliation. You've heard it said about a, an eye for an eye, a tooth for tooth, and all that. But he says here in verse 44, we're to love our enemies and to pray for those who persecute you. And that's not easy to do. In fact, it's downright unusual and odd because that's our first instinct to get back, to get revenge, to get even. But Jesus says, don't react, but respond in a positive way. When people put you down, build them up. When people hassle you, don't retaliate, but respond in kindness. The moment you start retaliating, the other person is in control. You know, one of the great principles that I have learned in life is you 
you really can't control what comes into your life, but you can control your reaction. You can't control the things that are going to happen to you. You can't control the pandemics. You can't control the insults. You can't control all these events that happen to you, the people that, that hassle or speak ill of you, but you can choose how you respond. And Jesus says we are to love our enemies, pray for them, pray for God's will in their life, pray for the Holy Spirit to get a hold of them. But not only that, there's one more thing I want to lift up from this text, and that is that we need to rejoice over it. For Jesus says here in verse 12, Blessed are you when you are persecuted and when they say evil things against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be glad in it. He's not saying rejoice in the pain. He's not saying relish in the harassment. He says when people put you down for your faith, it's not because you're being obnoxious or you're being overbearing, or you're being dominant, or you're being pushy, but because you're being like me, like Jesus, which means you'll be different. And Jesus says, you shouldn't complain, but you ought to celebrate. And why should you rejoice? It means that God's Spirit is being seen in your light. You know, we are to be salt and light, he says here, and salt preserves, and light here, it disinfects. And it means there are special honors reserved in heaven for those who are faithful in following me. And those who experience persecution, there's a great reward. It's kept in heaven for you. You know, popularity here on earth is never guaranteed by the Gospels. You won't be in heaven, I guarantee it, five minutes before you're saying, why didn't I witness more? Why didn't I give more? Why didn't I serve? Why didn't I get on those things at church? Why didn't I get into a small group? Why didn't I do more for God? Why did I worry so much about things for 10 years that didn't amount to a hill of beans when I, I could have really been living and enjoying life with true hope and joy? I wonder today, how are you using your life? Are you using your life to build up your personal kingdom or God's? Popularity doesn't last. You know, when I was in school, I felt like I was a pretty popular kid. I mean, I had lots and lots of friends. I was in sports. I was in the band. I was president of some large clubs. Uh, I was voted to succeed, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, just two years later, I went back to campus and nobody knew me. You can go from being a hero one day to a zero the next day. Think of so many of the, the stars today on People magazine that are on there, and six months later, people don't even recognize it, don't even know who they are. Popularity doesn't last. But yet we're told here, we need to faithfully follow the Lord to be ready at all times, regardless of what comes into our life. Now, there's so many people today are being persecuted in the seven-plus billion people upon the planet Lots and lots of Christians, perhaps a third are Christian people and people all over the planet are facing great persecution. We have been spared for that in large part, being able to gather and to worship God. But you know, so many people are really being persecuted today. I want you to watch this video. And it, it's a video where someone here, Wayne Cordero, is speaking about his experience in China. Watch this video. Let me finish with this uh, story. We go to China from time to time and, and uh, uh, we train leaders. 
And this time we brought up 22 leaders from the Hunan province and they rode 13 hours on a train to get to a hotel that they came up two by two in these elevators as, so as to not draw any attention. And then they got to a hotel room, a little apartment uh, room. It's only about 700 square feet in the little living room, no air conditioning, hardwood floor, 22 sat there. I came in and when you teach in China, you start at eight in the morning and you don't get done till five at night. You teach the whole day. They were sitting there, all 22 of them, and I looked around and I said, now, if we get caught, what will happen to me? They said, oh, you'll get deported in 24 hours and we'll go to prison for three years. I said, you're kidding. How many of you have been in prison for your faith? Out of 22, 18 raised their hands. I thought, no way. I looked at him and I said, you, you 22 people, how many people do you oversee? Because they were all of these small group leaders, underground church leaders in the Hunan province. I said, how many, if you counted up all the people under your jurisdiction, how many would it be? And they counted them up and they said, little over 20 million. I said, what? See, we forget there's 1.3 billion people in China. This is crazy. Well, I had 15 Bibles and I passed them out. Obviously, seven didn't get them. And I said, let's turn to 2 Peter chapter 1 and we're going to read it. And just then, one lady handed hers to somebody next to her. And I thought, hmm, interesting. Well, we turned there anyway. And as we started reading it, I understood why she gave it away. She had memorized the whole thing. She just recited the whole chapter. When it was done, I went over to her at a break and I said, you... You, you recited the whole chapter. She says, oh, yes, I've memorized many chapters. I said, where did you memorize so many chapters? She said, in prison. <laughs> she said, you have much time in prison. <laughs> so I said, but don't they confiscate the Bible? She said, yes. So people bring in scriptures written on pieces of paper, and they bring it in. So I said, but then if they find that piece of paper on you, won't they confiscate that? She said, oh, yes, that's why you memorize it as fast as you can. Because <laughs> even though they can take the paper away, they can't take what's hidden in your heart. I thought, wow. Well, after three days, you fall in love with these people. And when it was done, I said, how can I pray for you? I'm going to go back to America. You guys have been just so wonderful. How can I pray for you? They said, you know, Wayne, you guys can gather like this whenever you want to in America. We can't. Could you pray that one day we'll be just like you? And I looked at him and I said, I will not do that. Big incredulous eyes looked at me and they said, why? <laughs> I said, because you guys rode a train for 13 hours to get here. In my country, if you've got to drive more than an hour, people don't come. You sat on a wooden floor for three days. In my country, if people have to sit more than 40 minutes, they leave. You sat not only here for three days on a hard wooden floor, but you did it without air conditioning. In my country, if it's not padded pews and air conditioning, people don't often come back. In my country, we have an average of two Bibles per family. We don't read any of them. You hardly have any Bibles, and you memorize them from pieces of paper. I will not pray that we become like, uh, you become like us, but I will pray 
that we become just like you. What a convicting message and testimony. You know, we do need to be in prayer for one another and especially for believers all over the world today. So many are facing persecution and we need to pray for peace, pray for them that are going through such dire circumstances. I would invite you to pause and pray with me now as we prepare our hearts and minds for this time of communion and perhaps there are things in your life that you need to confess to the Lord. And, you know, Christ invites here to his table all who love him and who earnestly desire to lead that life with his son Jesus Christ and to live out these beatitudes. So I want to invite you to confess your sins today before the Lord as we enter into this moment. So pray with me. Oh, merciful God, we confess today that we have not loved you with our whole heart, and we have failed to be an obedient church, and we have not done your will. We have broken your law, in fact, and have rebelled against your love, and we have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of those in need, particularly those who are persecuted. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. I do invite you at this time to get your communion elements. And perhaps you've received the communion kit. I would invite you to get that. And if that is not available, uh, since we're in this pandemic and in these extreme circumstances, we invite you to get that piece of bread that's close by and some uh, uh, juice if you have it there available. And we'll share communion together. I do remind you of the mighty acts that were wrought in Jesus Christ, how he gathered the disciples there in that room that day and he broke the bread and he gave it to them and he said, this is my body given for you. And likewise, he offered the cup. He said, this is my blood shed for remission of sin. As often as you gather together, drink in remembrance of me. So we are thankful for the incredible grace of our Savior Jesus Christ, I invite you to join me in our prayer of great thanksgiving. Let us pray. Almighty God, it is right and a good and joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give you thanks. Father Almighty and Creator of heaven and earth, we thank you so much for what you have done for us. For those moments that you share with the disciples and how you explained in such earthly forms the bread and the wine and how you went to the cross for us. And you said, this is my body given for you. And likewise, this is my shed blood for remission of sin. And Lord, we just give you such thanks today. For holy are you and blessed is your son Jesus. And we just pray, God, that you would be with us here in these moments. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine today and make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. And by your Spirit, make us one with each other. 
one with Christ and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at your heavenly banquet. Hear our prayers today and especially that prayer that you taught us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The body of Christ for you. And I invite you to take the bread at this time. Remember what God has done for you. And likewise, the cup of salvation for remission of sin. Take and drink in remembrance of what the Lord has done for you. Amen.